0: Hello, this is Justin Williams with the Wolfpacker Podcast. I'm joined today, as always, by the man, the myth, the legend, and also the editor of theWolfpacker.com, Matt Carter. And today, I hadn't heard you were talking about
1: the man, the myth, the legend. Of course. And uh, well, uh I, I, I could, when you got to myth and legend part, I was like,
0: Yeah, I was actually introducing our next guest about our yeah. special guest that we were trying that we were scheming to get maybe one day so uh maybe that's our surprise by the way for the thousand subscribers i'm gonna go ahead and plug our youtube channel now please if you haven't already subscribe rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to us we're on apple spotify google play and as i mentioned we're on youtube as well so if you want to watch our beautiful faces as we talk about Wolfpack sports go to our youtube channel smash the subscribe button like this video, and please comment while you're at it. We're already at 1,000 subscribers, so we thank you very much to our audience, and we are working on that special podcast for you. It's in the works, I promise. So, anyways, Mm -hmm. let's talk about what was a very special night for Wolfpack fans. Um, I don't think... I was talking to you before this podcast, Matt. No NC State fan in the world went into this game thinking NC State was going to lay the hammer on Boston College. There may have been some... Optimistic NC State fans that thought that the Wolfpack would win a hard-fought game in Chestnut Hill, and for 30 minutes it was a hard-fought game. But really, when it came time for NC State to lay the hammer, we were talking about the last podcast in the Louisiana Tech game, Matt. I was saying NC State was better than Louisiana Tech that entire game, but it just never landed the knockout punch. Well, it sure landed the knockout punch in chestnut hill saturday night 21 to 0 outscoring the eagles in the third quarter and that was pretty much the ball game you go into the fourth quarter and cruise from there so matt what do you what do you make of this win i i think there's there's a couple elements you're impressed by nc state's performance and you're probably a little bit disappointed from what you maybe expected going into this
1: game from boston college so uh what are your initial thoughts yeah, you know, I put in my column, it was like watching some kind of sports-themed version of Stranger Things from, you know, the Netflix series. Like, there's, like, what bizarre world are we living in, man? What alternate universe is this where the other team is the one that's bumbling, stumbling, and can't get out of its own way, and and a crucial game is laying an egg. Um, you know, if I told you before game, before the game that there was It it was an important game. It was not a must-win for NC State. You and I talked about that. I I felt this was a must-win for Boston College, only in the sense of the Atlantic Division, of the ACC in that race. But it was a hugely important game for both teams. And I'm sure, you know, we've been down this path before with NC State, where you get an important game and you come up empty. And you not only come up empty, you come up empty like they did at Mississippi State, where you're throwing a a running back jump pass in the end zone that that gets intercepted or uh, Bam Knight fumbles the ball on a promising opening drive in the second half. You know, could have gone like this that.
0: entire show without mentioning the jump pass, Matt.
1: <laughs> well, this was this the game where Boston College is the one that dropped a punt. I mean, he just literally caught it cleanly, it looked like. He just dropped it when he went to the motion of Yeah, well, This was the game where... Um, They throw an interception. This is the game where, you know, uh, a toss up pass that Devin Lurie probably shouldn't have thrown. Um, Thayer Thomas just kind of snags it and, and just caught two BC de- players in bad spots after he caught it and ran for a touchdown. Or where Devin Carter does that, uh, that circus catch, you know, where he's literally juggling the football behind the defensive back's back and he doesn't even know. And then you know, then I, by the time the defensive back figured out what was going on, Devin Carter's in the end zone for a touchdown. You know, it was how often does that happen for NC State? When you were watching that
0: live, did you realize what was happening? That was a confusing. Like you had to watch the replay to see what actually happened there. Did did you see it? Li- I mean, did you see that Carter right. caught it live?
1: I was watching the game, uh, Before the card we went out at uh, Alumni Stadium. I think had agreed to give us a, a setup of a Zoom link for the post-games. Um, you know, the, uh, I was watching the game in my living room with my wife who said, did he catch it? And I, all I could think was the ball didn't hit the ground. I never saw a ball hit the ground. And then it, it, Devin Carter had a weird reaction to it. You know, right? Like he just took a couple steps backwards like, yeah, I caught it. And then maybe realized I'm not in the end zone. I got to run to the end zone. I don't know, but when he finally kind of turned around and ran to the end zone, oh yeah, it, it, it was a delayed reaction. Yeah, That's for sure. The one thing I noticed—I never thought I saw the ball hit the hit the ground, uh, but I didn't quite see where the ball was either. So yeah, that was uh, that was weird. But you know, look, I, I listened to Boston College's post-game press conferences, and they—you they, know—the quarterback about dinner uh Grosse, grossel and and jeff halfley the head coach both said you know congratulated nc state they're like are they 33 to 7 better than us i don't know about that and they, honestly there may be some truth truth to that right that was one of those games where they bumbled and stumbled their way and entry state took advantage um i think they're probably more closely matched i do think nc state's a better team especially without phil jokovic a quarterback um, but I uh, give NC State credit too. It, it, despite all the good things happened, they still had to walk through the door. Like Mark Rich said on the huddle, the ACC Network uh, postgame, whatever so it's called, whatever it's called. Um, you know, NC State did a great job. It, it looked like a team that would did a very good job at taking its opportunities, and it took it. And so you have to give NC State credit. And also great adjustments at halftime to shut down the run in the second half but that's why BC was hurting and industry stake and they had negative three rushing yards in the second half. So
0: wait, I just wanna I just want to make sure we're on the same understanding here. A Dave Doran coached team made great halftime adjustments that resulted in a lopsided victory. I just want to make sure we're on we're all on the same understanding on this. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I just want to make sure that's wow. clear with everybody. No, because I just <laughs> I just you know, I just hear so much criticism about it. You know, when when there's a loss, that you know you gotta you gotta acknowledge it when when it's a win. And Dave Dorn is doing a hell of a job with this football team this year.
1: Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent right. And look, you know, you heard the halftime interview. Um, you know, Dave Dorn was like, "Yeah," he pinpointed exactly what BC were doing. We're talking about the motion to kind of draw a guy out of the out of the box. To reduce the numbers, and then they're running out of it. It's not something they did beforehand. So they got to make the fix, and they, they, they readjust. I mean, the guy knows football. I know some NC State fans <laughs> sometimes don't think that, but he knows his football. If you ever had a conversation with Dave Dorn in private about football, you'd be mesmerized by how much he knows just from watching it. He eats, breathes, and sleeps football. He knows it inside out, and um, yeah, they make great adjustments. They made great adjustments. I ain't going to say they were clearly a better team than Boston College. The, the final score looked a little bit bigger because Boston College, you know, yeah. I don't know what they were. I don't know what they were doing out there at times in the second it, half. But
0: it's just a more balanced team. It's a deeper team. I mean, I think yeah. when you when you compare the best talent to the best talent, I mean, it's not fair to. It's tough for Boston College, right? They lost their best player this season, Djokovic, early on in the year. And, and had Djokovic been on the field, I'd like to think that this probably would have been a closer game, a better game. It, you know, Boston College would probably be a much more legitimate contender in the Atlantic Division this year. But my takeaway from this game and this week is that there is, I think we clearly know the best five teams in the ACC now. I don't think there's any doubt that from the Atlantic Division, it's NC State, Wake Forest, and yes, it's still Clemson. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. Clemson lost to NC State, but they're still what four and one, five and one, uh, or excuse yeah, me, they have two lost. They have two. Lost. They lost to Georgia by you know a possession. I mean, Georgia's is yeah. clearly the best team in the country right now. So how much are we taking away from them there? You know that that's mm-hmm. a defense that kept Georgia to ten points. It's still one of the best defenses in the country. Still a top five ACC team, and so that you know that that still a great win that NC State has. I think people start have started to discredit that win a little bit because everyone wants to punch on Clemson this year. By the time this season's over, Clemson's going to be top-20 team, no doubt about it. No doubt about it, in my opinion.
1: But- you know, it's funny to me. Clemson, real quick, Clemson beat Syracuse by like a field goal. Syracuse misses a very makeable field goal. which is, you know If you, if you wonder why Dabo's win is, you know, I'm not trying to make light of his religion, I believe he's a very devout, Religious man, that's fine. But if we, I sometimes believe we have every reason to be devoutly religious because there's no other reason to explain why so many field goal kickers miss makeable field goals at the end of the game against Clemson. It's some kind of divine intervention that he had uh, that he's getting there. And um, but it's funny, you know, Wake Forest jumped like three or four spots when it trailed most of the much of the game against Syracuse. It had to rally to take the lead. They blew it went to overtime, and then they beat Syracuse. And they bumped up like three or four spots in the poll. Now people are acting like Clemson doesn't even deserve a vote in the top 25 when they pretty much led the entire game against Syracuse. They won impressive, but they led the, the entire game. So yeah. I feel like there's a bit of a double standard going on with Clemson right now. They're, They're totally...
0: Well, every, I mean, the national media hates Dabo Swinney, so it's, you know... It's yeah. it's just the time of reckoning for Clemson. When a good when a, when Alabama loses two games one year, everybody will be waiting in line to you know take their hot takes on Alabama. So you know that that's just yeah. what successful programs that's the attention they they get. But yeah, just ask NC State from last year. Syracuse is a tough team to beat in the Carrier Dome. I don't care how bad they suck, you know, roster wise. That's a tough place to play and they're a better team than they were last year and even that team that went what one and seven one and eight in acc play still gave nc state one hell of a ball game up in the carrier dome last year took wake forest to the wire like you said this year and of course clemson so you know we look at the rest of this nc state schedule it's great it's first of all it's great that nc state has syracuse at home but i wouldn't necessarily when looking at it compared to other games like, before the season, we're probably looking at Syracuse saying that's a must, you know, that's an easy win for NC State. We're looking at that Miami game on the road. We're saying that's probably a loss for NC State. I'd probably flip those now. Or no, I'm not saying that NC State would lose to Syracuse at home, but I'm, I'm just saying I would expect, I think NC State's chance of beating Miami next week are probably as good as they are of beating Syracuse at home just because Miami's an absolute train wreck right now. Um but the other two best teams, I wanted to finish my point on the ACC. Virginia and Pittsburgh out of the Coastal clearly seem to be the cream of the crop of the Coastal. We'll see what Carolina can muster up for the rest of the year. They're out of the Coastal race for sure with, what, three ACC losses? Yeah. Three? Yeah, they
1: have three, and they still have to play Pittsburgh. They still have to play in State. Yeah. Um. So, you know, they're, they're, they're not very well set up. But, when you know, we're
0: talking about these division races. So, I think it's going to be either NC State, Wake Forest, Clemson from the Atlantic, and from the Coastal. I think it's, you know, coin flip between Virginia and Pittsburgh right now. I'd probably give the edge to Pittsburgh just because Pittsburgh seems to me like yeah. a top 15 team. I mean, it it might be the best team in the ACC right now. I, them and yeah, NC I State, remember,
1: Wake. Virginia already has two ACC losses, too. And so, they're kind of, you know... They they had that bad two week stretch where they got crushed by Wake Forest and then got crushed by UNC and and so they've been trying to dig themselves out of that. I give Virginia credit they they you know eked out a win against Miami, eked out a win against uh, Louisville on the road, both of those on the road and that was kind of crucial for them to get their season back. And then obviously they they crushed Duke and you, you hate that you feel it a little bit like the end of an era and with David Cutcliffe, who's probably the most likable head coach in this area in a long time. And, um, you know, he's clearly got some soul-searching has to be done around Duke Athletics with the football program after this season. But I wouldn't rule out Virginia Tech either in the Coastal. They only have the one loss to Pittsburgh, but obviously didn't look very good in that loss to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh is... Basically beating up Virginia away uh, and then UNC away from having that locked up now Pittsburgh does play Clemson Next week too. So that's a huge game um, Of course, if Pittsburgh could defeat Clemson You know that puts Clemson in a severe bind in the Atlantic and it basically means can NC State handle business? Uh, going to work Four.
0: that's at
1: and Clemson, right? Yeah, I mean, no that Pittsburgh I think I don't, I'm Ooh, not, I don't know. I
0: can't wait to I can't wait to see the spread for that game because if it's but in Pittsburgh, saying, uh,
1: Panthers might be favored. I think they will be. Uh, Pittsburgh's a better team. I think Pittsburgh and NC State look like the two best teams in the ACC. I know a lot of people are going to say Wake Forest. You know, I heard Mark Rich say last night what I've been kind of saying. You have to remember who they played. That's not Wake Forest's fault. It's not but just look at who they played. It's been a very soft schedule, probably the softest of every team in the ACC. Um, and it, they're just, but they're also, the, <coughs> excuse me, the most well positioned because they're 4-0 in the ACC. And so of every team in the ACC, I think Wake Forest is the most well positioned. Um, they still have to run the last three game gauntlet, but the next game is Duke, that we just talked about. So Wake Forest will be 5-0 and in the ACC before they play NC State, Clemson, and Boston College. So no t- they've, in other words, we talked about, I just went over and said NC State, they're in the opposite position of NC State. NC State is in great shape if they can handle their business. Wake Forest is a game away from completely handling their business. They've taken care of all their business. They've beaten every team that they, we were called taking care of business type of games. And now they got to go out and beat the, the fellow contenders. Whereas NC State had got two big wins over the fellow contenders. Now we're getting to the point of the schedule where they have to start taking care of business. And how well they do that over the next four weeks, I think. Yeah, four weeks will determine an awful lot about this football season.
0: There's also an element of Wake Forest being the lone Undefeated team remaining in the ACC that I think has some people just looking at the standings and saying, "Well, they're undefeated, so they're the best team in the ACC." Maybe true by the end of the season, we don't know. I mean, it you know they control sure. their own destiny, but at, so does NC State, and um, it would be you know not that NC State fans would ever want to see this scenario, but if Wake Forest ran the table. And they're they're an undefeated ACC champion. That would just be a very... I mean, they'd be in the college football playoff. They'd have to be, and it would be... But then you make the case for for an NC State. Like, I I know, again, this isn't a likely scenario. I don't expect NC State to run the table, but it is an interesting conversation in the sense that if NC State were to run the table and win the ACC championship, where would they be in the college football playoff conversation as a one-loss ACC champion? Because you look at all these teams that are ranked... I mean... Basically every week a team in the top five is losing a game. It seems like Iowa just lose this week. Uh, it's looking likely that you're going to have a one loss champion out of the big 10. It's looking likely that nobody's going to leave the sec undefeated. Obviously the sec and the big 10 are going to get in at least one apiece. Uh, you look at the big 12. I mean, Oklahoma we'll see if they can run the table. Pac 12 is not looking like it's going to for sure get somebody in the playoffs. So it, it, It's interesting. I think we could see some different teams finally in the college football playoff this year, starting with the fact that Clemson won't be in it. But let's stop talking so much big picture, and let's
1: talk a little bit more about the game itself. Um, I just want to very briefly touch you. I was looking at ESPN's FPI while you're going over that, and they now have NC State at least a 50% favorite in every single game left in the regular season. 60% And wow. 60% or better. Well, the White Forest is 56.5%. No, actually, Miami, they have it the lowest odds when she stays, which is puzzling to me, but they have it at 50.9%. 50,
0: 50. That has to I be a computer... Miami, no. That's a that's a computer, I think, bias towards just preseason. It has to be, because Miami's just... Yeah. Miami's not a... I mean... Miami's a Florida State right they're not even a Florida state right now I mean they' they're they're, yep. they're not playing the same players that they were at the beginning of the season Derek King shutting it down for the rest of the year um there was that comment by Manny Diaz last week where there might be some tension in the locker room after Manny Diaz I think he said Derek King was opting out for the rest of the season by
1: electing it to get surgery kind of a yeah, opting to have surgery I think is what he said at him and it was, yeah, yeah. tweet it back like "option," you know, with the question mark.
0: Yeah, so, so it that. just just not not a good look. There might be some tension there. They're playing a lot of young players, so you know, looking ahead a little bit to next week before we talk more about this game because this is the post game reflections podcast. If you're just <laughs> tuning in, um, <laughs> but it, an, an experienced, deep, um, well coached NC State team should should be able to go down to, to Coral, Gabor, Coral Gables or Miami Gardens, or I guess they're playing it in Hard Rock Stadium, and go down and take care of you know what seems to be a plagued Miami program right now. But where do you want to start with this game from yesterday? Do you want to start on the offense or defense? Because I think there's impressive notes to take away from both sides of the ball in this game. Um, well, since you're on your phone, I'm going to pick offense. Nah, we're going nah, to start with the offense first, Matt. Um, <laughs> you're good. You're good. I was just reading where well. Ed
1: Orjuan is out at LSU. Sorry, it caught my eye.
0: Oh yeah, I mean I don't I don't blame you. That's pretty crazy. Sh- shows yeah. you fans, man. Fans, you, you know they love you when you're winning. They hate you when you're losing. The man won a <laughs> national championship a couple of years ago. Look where he is now. Although you know yeah. he did have Joe Brady as his offensive coordinator, but um, <laughs> offense. I think we're seeing exactly what we said going into the season. This NC State team needs from Devin Leary to have a successful year. We're seeing it, we're seeing it right before our eyes. Leary is being an efficient quality ACC quarterback. I'm not saying, you know, I I don't I'm not saying he's an NFL guy right off the gate right now. I'm not saying that he's in contention for any type of prestigious awards or anything like that, but he is Playing like an above-average, good, potentially great, potentially great, college quarterback right now. Two hundred fifty-one yards, completed sixty-six percent of his passes, three touchdowns, no interceptions against a pretty, pretty good Boston College defense. So, I think it starts there, Matt. But is Leary, where is he stacking up to your preseason expectations so far this year?
1: Oh better, better than I thought. I mean, you're kind of what. What stands out is the consist- consistency of, of what he's doing week in, week out right now. You know, I thought we would see this and perhaps a lot of the time during the season. I also thought we were going to see games where it didn't click and that we, we would still see some of that up and down. He has never started a full season, as hard as that may seem. It seems like he's been a three-year starter, but the reality is, is he took over about midway through two years ago and, and then... We started and, you know, started a handful of games last year before he got hurt. So, um, you know, I thought other than the path that he got away with was Thayer Thomas, which I don't think he, you know, I'm sort of going to look at film and say, yeah, look, nice job, but don't do that again. Um, got away with it once. Don't try to get away with it a second time. Um, yeah, right now, I mean, if I were looking at the ACC, all ACC teams, obviously Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh. He's first team all ACC. He might even be in the Heisman mix now. He is in the Heisman mix. Yeah. Brennan Armstrong at Virginia probably clear-cut second team all ACC right now. And you got to say, who's third team all ACC? Because you need three, right? Sorry, I hit my computer there. You need three. Um, I mean, I we, know, we, we, uh,
0: we know who's probably going to get it,
1: right? We know who's probably going to get the vote because of his name. Yeah. Um just because of his name and he's adding like he's doing things Sam Howe who we're obviously talking about it, UNC has done good things running the football this year it kind of added a new dimension um but I, I I haven't done it I'd be curious to match up the numbers of Devin Leary with Sam Howe. um at this point
0: that's a, that sounds ways. like a job for our friends at Tuffy Talk if our friends at Tuffy Talk are listening right now they're they're big stack up Leary Sam Howell guys. So I, I want to see that tweet Tuffy talk. Anyways, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so I, that that's the one I'm curious because the biggest thing to me right now one is one guy the quarterback of a team that's five and one and two and zero oh in the ACC and we're recording this podcast the polls will be coming out shortly um, we'll probably be top twenty in both polls. Uh, this week. The other one is the quarterback of a guy of a team that uh, is going to have to find a way to win two to, to win one of three games left between Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, and NC State to be bowl eligible. They're going to be Wofford or Ferman. I think they play some FCS team right before they play NC State. Or they got to beat one of Wake Forest, Pittsburgh, Notre Dame, and NC State to get bowl eligible and they'll probably be underdogs in all four. So, to me, that's the biggest thing, right? But you could make a strong case that Devin Leary should be third-team All-ACC quarterback right now. with we'll it go back to what we talked about at the beginning of the season. A lot of the success rests on the efficiency and the consist- consistency of Devin Leary. All the other pieces look like they were there. How Devin Leary was going to bounce back from a broken leg and do as a full-time starter we're going to tell you what this team and what this season would be and so far so good and i'll add this too the emergence of Devin carter he had one bad drop there uh that um that could have been a fumble has really helped he's really you know when they landed Devin carter they thought they had a huge steal um when he got to entry state they thought he had huge potential yeah, I remember them telling me, once this guy going to be the next big receiver at entry State, the next in the line of big-time receivers they had. And you're now starting to see that coming together. I mean, starting to look more and more like what they saw. I, I mean, if he can take another step forward next year, he could be one of the best, I think, receivers in the ACC. And so you're seeing that, and, um, you know, because the Mecca and didn't really have a great game last night you know well you he were got he got one
0: catch stolen from him yeah
1: <laughs> i you know that was a bane bane play i didn't think it was as obvious as everybody else did but um I'm that sure. was your classic
0: oh, mecca Mezy go up and get it big fella kind of catch he had it
1: he had it <laughs> i don't know Anyways. Nah, it made me like he was tucking it away and i don't know anyway but um what are you supposed to do as a receipt you're supposed to tuck it away <laughs> but uh, what were they, uh, but you had said that Devin Leary was going to have all that success, and Emeka basically had one catch. I mean, they gave him that second catch to get the record, right, when the game was already over. His and security they the blanket. That they to play huh? Yeah. His, I mean, Amezzi's his security
0: blanket. That's his dude.
1: Yeah. And so if you tell me, Leary, did all of that with amezzi making one catch, basically, when it matters during that game. It just shows you that the other receivers are stepping up big time um so
0: well so it also yeah. it also helps when you throw a pass that could have been intercepted maybe should have been intercepted, and Thayer thomas ends up takes it seventy nine yards to the house you know to make it a yeah. well a twenty four point game at that point so
1: I was amazing quick reflexes by Thomas because that ball was floating up there. And I think you had all the other, there was another state guy and two BC guys. And I think they were all kind of waiting for the ball to get there. And Thayde Thomas was basically like, screw that. And just literally, just, it almost looked like he cut the ball off. Like he just went up there and snagged it. Yeah. He said, I'm taking this. And, and just took it away from everybody. we were kind of waiting for it to come down a little bit. And, and then, it was a beautiful play by Thayer Thomas. But yeah, don't don't throw that pass again.
0: Theyer Thomas is a hell of an athlete. I feel like I, I don't know what his draft stock is. I don't know if he's a guy that will be drafted, but if he somehow if, if he doesn't get drafted, and I think he probably will be, maybe like a late round pick. I mean he seems like a prototypical Belichick. Belichick's scooping oh, yeah. him up. If if he goes undrafted, you know, I'm I'm just waiting for the, the headline of the Patriots have signed undrafted free agent Thayer Thomas and you know what he's I just feel like he's a dude that's gonna he's gonna find a way to make it because he's just a playmaker he is a quarterback's best friend he makes bad passes look good just like he did last night and you know what you got to go back several years back to his childhood and you got to thank his parents for making him a multi-sport athlete remember when we had that conversation last year Matt with Thayer about him being a gymnast him and drake doing gymnastics as children you know i think he he has some grace to his game thayer thomas and you know i'd like to think that that might have part to do with it just you know him being such a multi-dimensional athlete from you know growing up and everything but and then you got lex coming in a couple years from now so the the thomas lineage continues in the nc state football program but anyways uh let's talk about his brother's side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, where I, I said it in my in my pregame prediction, Matt. This NC State throw out what you saw in the second half against Louisiana Tech. This NC State defense is going to come to Chestnut Hill. It's going to return to form, and that's exactly what it did. Shuts out Boston College to seven points. You know, I get it. Uh, Grossell is not the same quality quarterback that a Djokovic, you know, led Boston College team would have presented to this Wolfpack defense, but You know, that Zay Flowers guy you're talking about is one of the best receivers in the ACC. His stat line, two receptions for seven yards. So I think NC State did a pretty good job taking care of one of the best receivers in the ACC. And, uh, I mean,
1: man, that secondary was just flying around. I think you can talk all you want about having one of their good days. Right, NC State had one of those good days. I forgot to mention the the review did go in NC State's favor with Emeka meji on the potential fumble. Uh, could have changed how the game was looking at halftime or played out in the second half for sure. Um, but what you cannot deny is that NC State uh, completely shut down Jay Flowers like no other team probably had. And two completely shut down Boston College running game in the second half to negative three yards. At halftime, they had a 100 yards rushing against a defense that was averaging, giving up 92 a game this year. And you thought, well, NC State, there are a lot of questions about have they played any good running teams yet? Is that a number that's skewed? Maybe it's skewed. First time they play a running team, you know, they're giving up yards. Second half, negative three yards yeah that's amazing and so they end up giving up 97 yards so yeah the average will go up but instead of going up like 10 or 12 yards it's probably going up a fraction of a point after this game um that's talent right that's ability that's caution that's depth that's everything um and so that just speaks to it that that Further solidifies NC State's standing at the defense, and you know we talked a lot of big picture, but it is important to note that there are only a couple of offenses on the schedule left where you would say that's an offense that, based on what we've seen out of this defense, could take advantage of NC State's defense. You're playing a true freshman quarterback next week with Miami. Uh, Florida State is not necessarily a great offense. Syracuse certainly is not a very good offense, even though they have the best ACC, one of the best ACC running backs. Um, yeah, Louisville okay offensively, but nothing great. So, really down to Wake Forest and a very streaky UNC team when it comes to defending good offenses down the schedule. So, uh, this game further solidifies that this defense can take NC State. To my opinion, can take NC State a long way this season. Um, and they did it with uh Clearly, during the bye week, they needed a decision. We're gonna play Aiden White now, at corner. I mean, normally you don't mess with the, the good thing. Um, but Sahim Battle came off the off the sideline and basically split reps with the big pitch. While well, Aiden White Aiden White got all the reps on the other side of the field, and clearly Devin Boykin, who was probably the MVP last night, with the concentrated effort to get him onto the field. Playing more and splitting reps at safety.
0: Gotta find, got to find, got to find ways to put your best athletes on the field.
1: So, kudos to the defensive coaches for that. I mean, They've been so good defensively. You think, ah, oh, we're just going to keep rolling on, doing what we're doing? No, they made changes. They switched things up. They, they saw a younger guys. Both of those are second-year true freshmen. These guys should deserve more reps. We're gonna, we could be even better if we take the chance on them. And they, and they did. And other than Aiden White getting absolutely run over by the Boston College running back that one time, it's two, two of them had a really good good game. And obviously Boykin was probably, I mean, he Boykin single-handedly probably turned the game around, right? He breaks up the pass in the end zone on what looks like an open tight end. They missed a short field goal. They come down, score to take a ten-seven lead at halftime, and then he picks up the fumble and allegedly returns it for a touchdown to start the second half. So you know, he's responsible for about a fourteen-point swing himself in that game. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, when you've got when you have two units, I mean, really
0: three units that at any point can go up and get you points. I mean, that's that's a good football team. The defense can score you points. Special teams can score you points, and obviously this offense has been capable to score its fair share of points. Going into this game, we talked about the keys for NC State to win this game: win, you know, win the battle at the line of scrimmage, take care of the football, uh, win the turnover margin, and win special teams. They did all of that. I mean, you know, you would have liked to see maybe a little less penalties, but look at the stats: NC State. Uh, three sacks, Boston College won. I think clearly NC State won the battle at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball last night. You look at the turnovers. Two Boston College turnovers, zero NC State turnovers. It's huge. It's hu- And, and, and here's, here's another key stat. Inside 20 punts, five of them for NC State last night. Just one for Boston College. NC State, you know, when it wasn't scoring points, that offense was putting the defense in good positions to have success. They're constantly winning, um, you know, the, the field, the field game. So, um, yeah, I mean, just, it's complimentary football. Dave Dorn said it in the post game press conference. He keeps going back to it. This is a team that can win multiple different ways. It's a team that won multiple different ways last year. And, and that's the kind of team that you need, um, to win, to win championships, whether it be conference championships or, or beyond. So, um, Wolfpack fans just sit back and and enjoy the show. This year I think we're seeing you know the makings of what could be a very very special season. There's still a lot of work to do, but I mean, sitting here after 6 games, NC State's 5 and 1 including wins over Clemson and Boston College, 2 and 0 in ACC play. I mean, yeah, you would have loved to go back and get that Mississippi State game. I'm sure everybody'd be even more excited about NC State had they won that game, but you know what? I think any NC State fan in the world would have taken a, this this six-game start you know, if offered at the beginning of the
1: season. Yeah, I want to um, add one more thing, too. I, I, I thought we also talked about, and it proved to be true, to get a lead on BC, that was huge because you forced them to become one-dimensional. And the one thing Clemson did to BC was they basically made Grosell beat you. I thought Grossell played better this game than he did against Clemson um and he wasn't helped by some drops but um the bottom line is, is that proved to be true once you got a lead on bc they're not built to come back against it in, in this particular match, it was going to be hard for them to come back against nc state and so you know if, if they had gotten that lead the first second quarter it might have been a lot stress-free <laughs> relaxed, and more, even and even more fun but we saw that once they I mean, Jeff Halfley said, he said himself, once it got to 24-7, he had a feeling the game was over, you know, in a nutshell is what he said. So, um, And Dave Doran said himself after the game. They're not built, They, being Boston College, are not built to come back, especially in the weather when it was raining. and You're forcing them to have to throw the football in the rain and be one-dimensional. So, uh, yeah, everything we talked about they had to do, they did, and they did well.
0: And that drive that made it 24 to 7, that was a grown man's drive from NC State. I mean, that that included sure. multiple just 10, 12-yard runs. Uh, I know Bam Knight in the uh, in the red zone got a reception and broke it off for a first down when he, you know, probably should have been tackled for maybe a 3 or 4-yard gain, broke a couple tackles, gets inside the 5-yard line. I mean that was just a that was a break your will kind of drive for NC State. I'm trying to look up how long that drive was. Um, let's see, seven plays, 61 yards. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. That was so, after the Isaiah Moore interception.
0: Right. Yep. Yep. I mean it was just it was just run it down your throat. We're better than you. We're beating you in the line of scrimmage. And when you you know it's one thing to do that to South Florida. It's one thing to do that to Furman. It's another thing to do that to Boston College. So, an impressive win. NC State fans, you should be happy and get excited for Miami next week. We're going to have another podcast coming up this week previewing that game. Let's give out our game balls, Matt, before we sign off here. I think I have an idea of who you're going to give yours to, so I'll let you go ahead and do it.
1: Yeah, Devin Boykin. You know, it's way to see that midway through the year. You add it, I mean, and a defense that had been hit by – attrition with injuries to C.J. Clark at nose tackle and Peyton Wilson at linebacker and Cyrus Fagan at safety looked like it may have added a piece to the mix down the stress with Devin Boykin. He's not an unknown. He played as a true freshman, got a chance to start a game or two as a true freshman last year. This is his second year as a true freshman, technically. Um, Boykin's a kid I've been high on since the NC State got him. He's the son of a coach. He's athletic. Uh, he was an offensive player of the year in the conference one year, defensive player of the year in the conference another year, so he clearly just a baller. Um, I thought he was underrated and under-recruited coming out of high school. Uh, he looked good. Uh, right place, right time on the fumble scoop and score, I get it. But, you know, there were some other plays he made that were really good plays, and uh, I guess I should look at his stat line so everybody knows how well he plays. But, um Let's see. He ended up with three tackles, two pass breakups, and they were for big pass breakups, and obviously the the uh, special team touchdown. So defensive um,
0: stat lines are never all; they're never completely indicative of the performance,
1: right? You make two big, you make two
0: plays that change the game on defense. You're the player of the game. Yeah. So, yeah. and yeah, it's it's tough to beat. Uh, your guys as the player of the game, but I'm going to give mine to somebody that I don't think we have given one to yet, Devin Leary. He did what he had to do. You know, it wasn't like a... It's not a vintage performance. When you think about Leary's best performance to date, you still think about the Pittsburgh game last year on the road with the four touchdowns and the game-winning drive and the 330-plus yards. and, and Or maybe you think about the Clemson game where he completes huge passes down the stretch to win that game in overtime. But, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to be the first game that comes to mind for people when they think about Devin Leary, you know, looking back on his college career years down the road. But this is a game where he led the offense to do exactly what it needed to do. He didn't turn the ball over, which was a huge element. I mean, one pick in this game could have, you know, if it happened before the midway point of the third quarter, a pick could have changed the entire element of the game. Three touchdowns completes 66% of his passes, uh, you know, 250, 260 yards, 251 to be exact. I mean, he had a quarterback rating of 195.8. That's pretty impressive. So, We're good. I, so Devin Leary's my game ball. Devon Boykin, your game ball. Um, listeners, viewers at home, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen or watch us. If you listen to our podcast, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, everywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you like to watch us, go to our YouTube channel. Please give this video a thumbs up. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, even if you don't watch. If you're just a loyal consumer of the Wolfpacker podcast, you don't watch YouTube, just go over to YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. it would help us out a ton. Drop a comment if you're at it. A lot of good comments to have after this game. Go Pack, Devin Leary, hell of a game. I mean, come on. I want to hear your analysis. I want to hear the takes from the listeners. So drop them in the comments on YouTube. Uh, follow us on social media. You can follow our main account on Twitter at The Wolfpacker. You can follow me personally if you wish at Justin H. Will. And you can give us a like on Facebook, NC State Wolfpack on the Wolfpacker.com. So for Matt Carter, this is Justin Williams, and this has been the Wolfpacker Podcast.